your hand up, they'll see you. You can bring up on the screen this morning, the message is called The Church, A Sleeping Giant, and that comes out of our uh, week of prayer and fasting. The church is a, a sleeping giant a lot of times, and uh, fasting and prayer awakens the church to be that uh, church that he wants us to be, to be that influence in this world that he wants us to be, to be the kings and the priests that we're meant to be under God's leadership in our lives. And I want to bring up uh, um, a text message I got from uh, Brian, a, a, a pastor here in Oregon, that he was here for the first time uh, uh, last year with us for Humble, and he didn't know he'd be going to Colorado, but he got to experience one of our uh, weeks of fasting and prayer, and he texted this to me during the week. He said, just to encourage you, God is at work in such powerful ways this week in Colorado. This church is a sleeping giant. It's been dead for years, but the Spirit is bringing this church to life in ways people have never experienced before. 6 a.m., noon, 7 p.m., just like you modeled, people are experiencing the powerful movement. Thank you for your leadership in my life. I'll let you hear a, a couple more testimonies of guys around the state. You can bring up the next uh, text message from Corey, a uh, remarkable guy over in Lincoln City. Uh, just, just an everyday guy, landscaper, had a really good life, making a lot of money. And God said, no, you're going to leave all that. You're going to move to Oregon. You're going to be in this Lincoln City, uh, coast, the, the town of the Coasties, you know. Uh, you know, the Oregon's a rough place. And when I got here um, 29 years ago, there was nothing really going on on the coast. And now there are these huge works of the Spirit from Gold Beach all the way up to Astoria that God is doing. And this is uh, Lincoln City. We, had probably, uh, we have probably had more than double the amount of people show up this year than last year. 40 plus people coming many nights. You know, a couple of years ago, I don't think the church was 40 people. And we have had nights where confession broke out among everyone in the room and a couple of nights where people have cried out for mercy and we were able to anoint them with oil and pray over them. Also, many words of knowledge shared. It's been a phenomenal week. So grateful to be in Oregon during such a time as this. As the Lord awakes his church. Bring up the next uh, communication I had. Uh, we had our, this is up in Astoria, we had our last prayer meeting, a Coastline a Christian Fellowship, we had our last prayer meeting of the week tonight, there was a theme of people just praising God for the things he taught or showed them this week or how he personally met them, testimony after testimony of God's love, greatness, faithfulness, peace, joy, victory, breakthrough, etc., being spoken one after another, it was amazing, and afterwards the people just stayed for hours eating and breaking bread together laughing and enjoying themselves the joy of the lord was so evident and you know um is, is do i have one more there yeah one, one more you can leave it up there for a minute you know we call it the week of humble and it's a prayer and fasting and some people hear that and they go oh yeah that's too much for me <laughs> like week of prayer and fasting is too much for me all week long i wish you could have thought about it as being a whole church prayer retreat that's free because there's no food. We don't have to pay for anything. But, you know, 
think of that for next year. We'll get you the dates. It's always that uh, same 20th period in January. Just think of that coming next year. What would happen in your life if you were in a prayer retreat all week long with your church? I'll tell you what, it'll be a different church after a week of praying. You'll be a different person after a week of praying. And uh, you know, it may mean you can come every morning. It may mean you could come every night. It, it doesn't mean every, all day for everyone, but just you've got a year to think about it. Uh, this was up in uh, Newburgh. The, they brought their leadership down. Numerous churches were bringing leadership here to uh, just try to see what was happening and how is the church fasting and praying like this. And Pastor John says, the vision I had while in the Calvary Corvallis prayer room was of taking some of the embers from the fire of God there and bringing them back to Calvary Newburgh, then holding them up to the Spirit of God to breathe fresh fire into us with regard to fasting and praying. Uh, I was texting Tom White, who's a, a patriarch of prayer in our city and involved in uh, prayer movements literally all over the world, and I was just telling him that, uh, man, what is happening this week? I know it's flowing out of these deep roots of prayer. 29 years of, uh, of prayer meetings on Saturday nights here. And, uh, and he wrote back to me, deep roots of prayer lead to abundant fruit. Right? Where there's, there's deep roots of prayer going on, it, there's going to be abundant fruit. Where there's little personal prayer, there'll be little fruit. Where there's little corporate prayer, there'll be little fruit. But deep roots of prayer lead to abundant fruit. Pull up that uh, picture of just the picture we had this week of this church. Just This is our church. Our church is a church that there's grace upon us uh, to, to pray here. And these deep roots of prayer uh, bring about abundant fruit. And um, I've often, I love this phrase. Maybe you've heard me say it before. Evidence of God's grace. I, I see that uh, what's happening here, I think probably over 300 people every night, close to 100 people every morning, uh, lunchtime prayer. Susie said it might have been her sweetest of all the prayer meetings were the lunchtime ones. But there's evid I, I see evidence of God's grace being poured out on this church that for 29 years there's been a Saturday night prayer meeting, 29 years. Next year will be 30, and all the Calvary pastors from our whole state are going to come join us for Saturday night to celebrate 30 years of continuous Saturday night prayer meetings. It's just, it's just a grace on this church. You know, um, I, the, when you look at different churches, there's different grace on them. The, the church of the music production, the church of the soup kitchen, the church of the school, the church of the Bible college. The, you know, there's different churches, the, the church of the artists, you know, whatever it might be, uh, you know. But I think if you put all the churches together with all the grace that's on every different one, then you would see the whole church, what it, what it looks like in Jesus' eyes. But uh, bring this slide up, would you, the 29 years. Uh, that was uh, last night, the 29 years of uh, Saturday night prayers. And, you know, when we put that up, that's not touting our work or look what we've done or our, our accomplishments. But, but it's just what it says there. We're celebrating 
Last night we were celebrating that prayer is alive in this church, and I brought a challenge to the church last night, and I want to bring it to you this morning. And, and I want to ask you to reconsider your corporate prayer rhythm. Corporate prayer rhythm. You have a prayer rhythm in your life, how you pray every day and you walk and pray or you have devotions and pray or you drive and pray. But I want to ask you to reconsider your corporate prayer rhythm. That maybe a Saturday night prayer for you could be weekly, that that's your ministry. You're an intercessor. There's a whole community, 50, 70, 100 intercessors that meet here every week on Saturday nights, or, or maybe if you reconsidered, you couldn't make it weekly, but you go, you know what, my heart would be to go every other week. Or maybe to reconsider, you know, you do, I, I've been at this church nine years, I can't believe it, or eight years, or 17 years, and I, don't, I haven't been to prayer meeting once. Maybe you could reconsider just one time a month. That great, the grace of God is on this church for prayer, and, and you could be part of it and say, you know what, we, I am going to do that. I'm going to put on my calendar once a month and come and, and be part of this grace. As um, Humble began, so you consider that, as Humble began uh, this year, uh, for me, it was just immediately, I was just met by opposition. It's just like, like I hit the enemy head on, and he just stood me up to push me back. That's how it started for me. The, the day that Humble started, I began to get attacked online. That I gave a message uh, before Christmas on the days of Lot, and I taught the truth biblically about homosexuality, and a 30-day delay to the day that Humble started, then the attack came, and someone online was saying that I was calling that we burn and drown homosexuals. And, you know, it's just like, yeah, oh, yeah, humble must be beginning, you know. But, you know, I'm, I'm starting to find that as a theme in my life. Whenever, it seems like whenever I teach at a pastor's conference, uh, online someone begins to attack me or our church and say lies about me. And, you know, when someone's attacking you online, it's not like you can reply. <laughs> it's not like you can say what the truth is. It just starts a, a firestorm, and I would encourage you, as you see our church attacked, uh, don't reply to those things. It just makes the algorithm go crazy. And you know, um, I just would say on that note too, it, you always have access to me and our leadership. You can come and question anything you ever see in behavior or practice here. So it's not that you can't come in person. But uh, boy, Humble started, and um, you know, the different things I was fasting from, I didn't expect to fast from sleep. <laughs> I don't recommend it. <laughs> but it seemed to have been the fast. I just wasn't able to sleep much this week. And just three hours is just not enough. Five hours after three hours is not enough. And, and it just it seems to have been just the warfare. Uh, I woke up one night, and I don't know if I was awake or dreaming but I heard, uh, I heard the cries, and I don't know if I said it out loud in my bed or if I said it to the Lord, Lord, are those the cries of hell? It was just like chaos crying out. In my, my sleep, it was, a, it was just a lot of, it started with a lot of warfare. And then Monday began, and in the prayer chapel, we came in, and Susie had this, Susie, my wife, had this beautiful word. And um, 
you would expect that Susie and I have lots of words about babies right now as grandparents because it's just on our mind. And Susie had this word about a baby, and uh, the picture was, and you can bring, there, there's the cutest baby you've ever seen. That's why Susie's thinking, and just leave that up for a while. I preach better with that on screen. But now you know why she's having words about babies, and she had this word about the baby. When the baby comes into the world, uh, the baby is, is really independent and, and even, even selfish and really can only make messes at one end or the other. But the parent loves that child, not, not even with a human love. God is love. I, I think it's the closest we can understand God's love. The parent just loves that child. And this was spoken Monday, and I thought about it every single day of humble. It just grew and grew in our mind how the, the parent is the pursuer of the child. The parent smiles and smiles and smiles and smiles and smiles, and there's a little gas smile, and you're just ecstatic, you know, that, that the lips move, but not a, a real smile. But you just smile and smile and smile and smile, pursuing that child until they finally smile back at you. This is me. That's my hand over her, just getting my face down to her face. Where you know, then come these years that all the pursuing. Now she smiles back, and the parent pursues and pursues and pursues and talks and talks and talks and talks and talks to that child until finally that child talks back. And isn't it just a picture of God? He's the pursuer. The parent helps and helps and helps as that child crawls and then eventually walks. And do you think when the child falls down in the walking process that the response of the parent is punishment? Oh my goodness, no. When the child's learning how to walk and it falls down, the parent is just overjoyed that you've been trying to walk. You've been doing such a good job. Now get back up. Isn't that the Lord's heart? And so often the enemy wants us to feel like the Lord's mad at us. When the truth is he's just so thrilled at the, the efforts you've been making and the steps you've been taking. And Amy Sims and Amy Dill come up. Uh, they both had uh, words this week. But as they're coming up, uh, another one of the words, I guess you're going to have to take that picture down because, oh, sad to see it go. But um, an another one of the words uh, before the Amy's share is uh, we came into the prayer chapel one morning and there was just that clear understanding that we drift. We drift. We don't ever drift closer to God, but we drift away from God. And in and pr and prayer, God draws us back. Maybe some of you experienced that this week. God was drawing us back. Amy, share what you saw this week. I came to Saturday night prayer a week ago, just in anticipation of this week. And I was thinking about past weeks that I've participated in prayer and fasting and all the prayers I've prayed then, um, all the prayers I'm still carrying that haven't yet been answered, all the prayers that have been answered and the, the joy that that brings me, and then specifically thinking about the people who have prayed with me in prayer circles about all those prayers. 
And that got me to thinking um, about how they're all not, not all of them are still attending Calvary regularly right now this year. And God gave me an image, and the closest thing to it is like a neuron. So the image is that Calvary Corvallis, the body of people who are currently attending, is the center. And we're all together, and it's kind of this dense, hot center. And then the arms that go out are the people who, for whatever reason, are not still physically co-located with us. Maybe they've gone to start a church plant. Maybe they're missionaries. Maybe they got married and moved away or a job. Um, a lot of reasons can have people move away, but it's not that they chose to leave us. They're still part of our body. And so those arms are like the connection that they're still part of our body. I reach out to the people who I'm still connected to. I tell them, thank you for the prayers. Remember when God answered this, I'm still praying for that. How has God been working in your life? But I'm only connected to so many, I can't reach out to all of them. So the vision is that as a body, each of us have different people that we're connected with to reach out to, to keep praying for, and to keep them a part of our body. Yeah, and these pathways die if they're not used. And so uh, I was thinking when Amy was sharing of a quote that says, um, communication is the pathway that love travels on. Boy, be thinking about how love, how you could communicate love and care to someone that you're connected to, that it might really make a difference in their life. Amy, you, you were part of the worship and saw something. Yeah. Wow, it's been a powerful week. Um, so the last several months at least, I've been feeling like I'm just walking through this dry wilderness. So coming into this week, I was really asking the Lord to restore my joy. And he really delivered. <laughs> uh, Monday night during worship, um, I just felt the presence of the Lord just so powerfully on me. And I'm just standing there, my eyes closed and tears running down my face. And I had this vision that I opened my eyes and looked around and it wasn't just us in the sanctuary. It was thousands and thousands of people in white robes just worshiping the Lord. And it was just so beautiful and so real that I literally had to open my eyes and look around to see, is this actually what's going on? But, um, and then the next day, we were in leader prayer, and somebody was praying out that as we went to campus and prayed for the students that we would really make connections with these students and that mentorships would just form organically. And then Another person prayed that, um, just over the students that were struggling to pray out loud, um, that God would just really help them to overcome that fear. And so um, we got into our group over on campus, and we prayed for everyone. We had like two girls left, and the time was up, and they were about to start worship, and I didn't want to leave these two out. So I asked one, you know, if she had any prayer requests, and she shared her needs. And another girl who hadn't really spoken the whole evening, I asked her, and she said, well, I really um, am struggling with praying out loud. It's really hard for me, and I just want to overcome that. And then we didn't have time to pray for both of them, so I just looked at her, and I said, well, you're here in the safe space. Will you pray for the other girl? And she did, and it was a beautiful prayer, and it was just so neat to see everyone in that group encouraging her. And then after worship, one of the girls came up to me and she said, I've been really praying that uh, about having a mentor in the church. Would you be willing to meet with me? So I said, yeah, absolutely. So the next morning, I'm like just still rejoicing over those two answered prayers. And another girl texted me and said, hey, you know, I've been praying about having a mentor in the church. Would you consider mentoring me too? So yeah, so I'm, I'm meeting with both of them and I just can't wait to see what God's going to do. 
Beautiful, Amy. Early in the week, um, Rob Durbin, he doesn't attend our church, but he's the, some of you don't know that Oregon State has a racquetball team, but they have a racquetball team, and they have 13 national, national championships, titles. And all those kids, what's remarkable about it is the majority of them, like 90% are all Oregon kids that have been raised up. They're not transplants. They're kids that Rob has worked with and they've become national champions. And uh, Rob himself is, is a national champion, racquetball a champion. And he came and sought me out and he uh, just is a, a deep, well, I'm going to have Rob come before our church, and uh, I'm going to interview him in a coming week. But uh, he sought me out to tell me his story that um, he was so uh, burdened for young people that are excited about the Lord but not prepared for hard times to come. And hard times do come, and hard times came to Rob. He got a leukemia about 10 years ago, and it is a leukemia that only 10% of the people that get it live. And all the way through this leukemia, uh, Rob was not angry with God. Why? Why me? Rob was not uh, bitter. Rob was not, um, you know, God, how could you? And where are you? And, and why aren't you taking this away? But all through his leukemia, he was uh, very conscious of why not me? Right, I'm a believer in Jesus Christ. I believe this world is fallen, is sinful, that sickness is in the world, that we're all going to die. Why, why not me? Why wouldn't I be the one who gets to leukemia? It doesn't mean God doesn't love me. And he entered onto this journey with God where he saw God just on every single turn and doctor and doctor appointment and waiting room and, and just, I mean, his story will just leave you speechless how God just lavishly took him through this period because he was willing to walk with God through it instead of just angry and bitter and fighting against God. And, and you'll hear more when Rob comes, but what a, what a powerful, powerful message for the younger generation that hard times are going to come and choose to, to, to walk with God through it, even though you may be, and we know as an older generation, a lot of times we want God to, to keep us from hard things, but so often God's answer is to take us through the hard things, and he's, he's with us. And um, Tuesday morning or, or early in the week, uh, we had this vision of leather in the, the morning prayer meeting and just trying to want to just share these things so they can speak to our whole body, but had this uh, vision of just a piece of leather that was dry and cracked and uh, damaged and scuffed, beat up, abused. And there was oil, uh, the oil of the Holy Spirit just being poured out on this leather. And the master was beginning to just restore this leather. And it was just uh, hydrating the leather. And the leather was coming back to life and, and becoming beautiful again and becoming usable again. And we just had that sense that God was pouring out his spirit. Uh, one of the mornings we came in early in the week, and there was a vision of, of um, uh, the reason we have the uh, morning prayer times is from the Old Testament of the burnt offering. 
And as you, you pull this picture up, it's from the Old Testament, and there's the burnt offering being offered the, in the, on the altar there. But in the very center of the camp of Israel was the tabernacle, and at the very center is God's glory extending up into heaven. And the people camped all around the glory. And nothing's ever changed. This is God's heart, that his glory would be in the very center of our lives. That's what he desires that everything in our lives would revolve around his glory. And every morning in Israel and every evening there would be a burnt offering, and the burnt offering was the whole animal being sacrificed, the entire animal. And when it was sacrificed in the morning, the people would wake up and smell that, what God said was a sweet-smelling aroma to him of the whole animal being offered up. And it was a call to the people to start their day every year like that, or every morning like that. To every morning you get up, you smell the burnt offering, it's being offered, and you just offer, God, I offer all of myself to you because I know that's a sweet aroma to you. And we were just one morning just met with that, God just wanting all of us. And when we offer all of ourselves, what a sweet aroma. In the mornings, uh, we offer all of ourselves. In the evenings, we offer all of ourselves. On Tuesday evening, uh, we were over at OSU, and not everyone was able to go, but we can pull up that picture. Uh, this is from the back. I mean, this is the big LaSalle's. And all of the older generation came to lead the smaller groups, and it was just so, so powerful. Hundreds on the OSU campus uh, in, in prayer groups that night. And um, you can go to the next picture. It shows Kieran. So, so, so amazing. Chad, smile there. And uh, one of the young students here, uh, Nick, who uh, has uh, discipled Kieran this last year. But Kieran was an atheist last year. And Kieran came to Humble on campus, campus last year, an atheist, and got saved. And this year, he stood before the whole campus and declared how he was an atheist the year before, but the Lord, the risen Lord, he had encountered the risen Lord, and he testified that now he's justified in Jesus through faith in, in Jesus. That would be a question to ask yourself, have, have you been justified that is when you trust Christ in a way that a legal declaration takes place and God slams the gavel down in the courts of heaven and declares Rob Verdine righteous. I'm putting righteousness in his account and I'm taking his sin. His sin was paid for there at the cross. That would be a question to ask yourself, has that happened? And, and Kieran testified of that justification that happened in his heart. Uh, during the, the week, and Susie, you can come up. During the week, um, one of our elders sent me this. He said, wow, Rob, is it just me or is it getting sweeter as the days go by? I had a coworker and his wife come tonight, an hour drive, believers, but their 19-year-old son is chasing a broken girl into a dark hole. And his, his coworker was amazed. I love this. They were, he testified that he was hearing God's voice. I was hearing God's voice to me from all your lips. 
And, and you know, that's such a beautiful description of what happens in corporate prayer. It is amazing. As you're in corporate prayer with others, for 29 years, I've been hearing God's voice through the prayers of the people of God. It, it is just the most wonderful rhythm to have in your life. Because when you pray alone and you pray alone and you pray alone, you, you hear God to a degree but there's a degree that you'll hear God corporately that I, I think it's worth you reconsidering, if, especially if you're part of this church where this grace is on us. Reconsider. There's the Saturday night prayer meetings. There's daily prayer meetings. Reconsider your rhythm. And uh, Susie uh, was... Uh, well, it was her word about the baby. I, I was so moved by it, I, I took it from her and shared it. But she can share another vision that she had. Well, <clears throat> excuse me. On um, a noon prayer, we were just spending time just um, praying for those that don't know Jesus. And it was really sweet. We just, people were just like um, praying out names of loved ones that just needed um, salvation. And, and as we were praying that, I just, um, the Lord showed me this picture of this beautiful glass bowl. And on, in this glass bowl, as we were lifting up those names, the names were going into the bowl. And um, after we um, were done, the Lord just picked up this beautiful bowl and just held it. And I just sensed that the Lord was showing that he hears our prayers for those that need Jesus, our loved ones. And he was holding them close to his heart, and um, and he was going to do something beautiful with that. And even this morning, as um, I knew I was going to come share this, the Lord was also reminding me that there, there's a lot of bowls in heaven. And another bowl that is in heaven is, it says that God holds our tears in his these bowls. And so just an encouragement for those of you that are just praying and laboring for those that don't know Jesus— that God hears those prayers and he holds those close, but he also holds those tears that you shed for those that don't know you, and, um, and he holds those close. Yep, I love that. And um, whenever I think of this picture um, of the bulls in heaven, it, in my experience, these bulls fill up and fill up and fill up as we're praying, and then there are these periods of grace where God just pours out, just pours out favor in your life and in, your, in our lives personally, in our lives corporately. It's a beautiful picture of um, uh, another picture uh, we saw was a picture in one of the prayer meetings of this damaged and uh, battered cup. It was battered, it was damaged, it was cracked, uh, it had holes in it. And some of, the, um, some of the artists in our church that heard it, you can go back one picture. Uh, some of the artists, the first artist took a, you know, a special note of the word was given that it was cracked. And as, as the Lord is pouring out this uh, living water, rivers of living water in our lives, a lot of times it's through the cracks in our life that it pours out to others. And, uh, and this artist really picked up on what they heard that how damaged that uh, cup was and um, how broken it was and, and abused it was. The, the next picture, the artist picked up on the fact that the word was given that there were these holes in the cup. And um, I, I, love, um, I love this concept of the very things that have broken us and damaged us become 
the very things that then God pours through us so powerfully to reach others. And so um, uh, that was one morning. I came home to Dana Jansen uh, writing me an email, and we can pull that up. Hey, Rob, it's Dana. I thought you would be encouraged, and I was encouraged, Dana, and I didn't know it. There's a young man participating in prayer and fasting this year who lives really far out in Kings Valley. I, I don't know if this young man's here, but if you have the courage, would you, you come up? I, I didn't get to meet you. But he really wanted to go to evening prayer and morning prayer, but the drive was so long he didn't know if he could do that. And so he asked if he could sleep in the church's parking lot. Is this, is this grace? Like churches where young people are asking if they can sleep here to be part of it? Whoever he asked, thankfully, told him no, but that he could sleep in the basement of the intern house, so he's been doing that. That hunger is so encouraging. He's the same young man that read a couple passages of Scripture out in the prayer meeting yesterday morning that was so powerful. And I didn't know who he was, but this powerful young man speaking out in our prayer meetings is just such, a, such grace on our church. Here's a video we'll pull up. Uh, one of the highlights for me, 180 uh, leaders it takes to lead all the prayer circles. And not all 180 were at the leader's prayer every night, but I just want you to see behind the scenes. This is what was happening every night before you got here at 7 o'clock. Just so powerful, the way God was meeting the leaders. I can't even describe it. it was, it's, the sense was he was meeting us so powerfully that when we'd come up here and just go into all these circles in that same way God was meeting us, just carried into each circle. And um, just a highlight day for me was Thursday, and you can pull up uh, Officer Danny Chase invited me to go on a drive uh, ride along that day. And we had had a different day that we had planned, but I don't know if it was the ice storm or sickness, something got in the way. But within, I mean, it's just the Lord's ways are, you know, just so beautiful. Within 10 minutes of the first 10 minutes of our ride, Danny's arresting some guy. And, um, and he looks at me, he goes, are you a private investigator? Are you a private detective? Or not private, are you a detective? Are you an undercover detective? He looks at me and I look at him back and I go, no, I'm a pastor. <laughs> and, and he then draws out of him this faith. He acknowledges that what a great thing that is that I'm a pastor. And so as Danny's arresting him, I ask, can, can I pr pray for you? And I look at Danny, is that okay? And he goes, oh, go ahead. So here we are, uh, Danny and me and this guy and some mentor that was there to help him. We're all standing there praying as he's getting arrested. And then uh, the next five minutes, we're called immediately to a lady that had passed away and her son had come to her apartment and uh, he was just, just crawled up in like a ball sitting outside her apartment where she was deceased inside, and he had requested a chaplain. So now I'm in the, the you know, all, this is all the, just the first 
half hour of the day together, and uh, there was no chaplain available, so here I am sitting outside this apartment, you know, ministering to this young guy and his girlfriend, and, and by the time the day ended, Danny let another police officer take me home, who I got, I asked if I could pray for her, and, and she let me pray for her, and I shared with her all about our prayer and fasting, and I, a word that was spoken that I thought was for her, and oh man, just what a highlight day, and can we just bring up the, the, the thank you to all our police officers. Yeah, uh, uh, being just one day around um, the officers that I was around, just the phrases in my, my heart, a special breed of people that are fighting the darkness for us every day, and we're so thankful for them. I'll give you a highlight circle. One of the nights I was a highlight circle, and you can bring up the picture. On Tuesday night, uh, there's Susie on the far left, and uh, two over from Susie is Ellie, and Ellie had, she's here every Sunday, but she couldn't be here this morning, they had a, she had a family thing going on. Is that right? Ellie's not here? She is here. Oh, come up, Ellie. Because I thought you weren't here. And Ellie came into our circle, and uh, you know, as the leader of all the, the prayer circle leaders, you know, we always talk about how we stay timely, a couple people pray, hi. Good to see you. Uh, we pray. We want to give room for maybe everyone in our circle to get prayed for, and so three or four people a person. And um, and that night, Ellie came in our circle, and as she was going through uh, trauma from what's been happening in her life, and, and she was just shaking. Her knees were shaking, and 15 years of of um, humbles and 29 years of prayer. I remember one guy in such trauma, he came in and he fell in the middle of our prayer meeting and bawled like a baby, a six foot four man. Just tremendous trauma. Well, Ellie was in this tremendous trauma. Her knees were just shaking. Her hands were shaking. Her shoulders were shaking. I, I, I don't think I've ever even encountered someone in my life that was shaking as bad as you were shaking. And we didn't know what to do. You know, and so we just, we just started to pray for her. Everyone was laying hands on her. And, um, you know, we quickly realized, like, Ellie, you may, you may, we may spend the whole night just praying for you. We don't, we don't you know, change of plan, right? We're just going to be around you for the whole 40 minutes or so praying for you. And, um, and the Lord uh, reminded me of this story of um, a dear family that the dad was dying of cancer. And the mom is a spiritual giant. And the husband was in the, the ICU bed with a little clicker for morphine, more morphine. And he was groaning in pain, click, 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 asking for more morphine. And his wife, Sammy, his name was uh, Dick, and his, his wife was saying, Dick, and she was, she was praying Isaiah 26.3, and I had not known Isaiah 26.3. It's the first time I heard it was in that hospital room, and she said, Dick, he whose mind is stayed on him, he gives perfect peace because he trusts in you. And she just kept saying that to Dick, and I watched Dick go from clicking the morphine to Ah, ah, as Sammy would, would read this scripture over him, and it came to mind. And I just began to pray over Ellie. Ellie, he whose mind is stayed on him, 
He gives perfect peace. Trust in him. The next verse says he's the rock of ages. Ellie, just he's the rock underneath your feet. You can stand through this. And we just kept praying that. And something happened that just from Ellie's head all the way down to her toes, she just completely became peaceful. And I'll let you share anything you want to share, Ellie. Okay. Um, well, my family's been going through a pretty traumatic week. Um, and my mom got a DUI a few weeks ago, and she had her trial on Wednesday morning. And me and my friends, we were at um, Real Life on Tuesday night. And I had never had a fear that my mom would participate in self-harm or anything like that. But God just really put it on my heart, like, Ellie, you need to be worried about your mom. Something's going on. And so Susie was with us. She was praying for us, and I just burst out in tears. And I talked to my friends on the way home. Like, I've never felt this way before. I've never had this concern. But God just really put it on my heart, and I talked to my friends about it. And we kind of, like, prepared for the idea that that could be a possibility. And then Wednesday morning, um, I texted my mom. I said, I'm praying for really good outcomes today. And... um, she had told me that she had been on suicide watch for the last few days, and um, they had an ambulance on call for her, but they weren't going to take her into a psychiatric hold because she had her court date. And I was just praying. Like, I had never imagined that that could be a possibility, but God had really put that on my heart, so I was relatively prepared, which I was not expecting, and then um, she showed up to her court appearance drunk and was arrested, and I was at, I was babysitting a five-year-old boy at Coffee Culture when I got the message, and um, Christina was there, who Christina and Erwin have been so, such good mentors for me in my life, and so I'd gotten the text, and I was able to whisper in Christina's ear, my mom just got arrested, I don't know what to do, but obviously I couldn't react because I had the five-year-old boy with me, and I just tried to stay calm and like rely on God through that night because I was caring for those kids. And then I got a text saying that my mom was going to be in jail for 60 days. And I just started bawling because I have two young sisters. And how my Natalie's birthday, I'm about to leave to go her birthday party, but I was thinking, like, what am I supposed to tell Natalie? Like, why isn't her mom here on her birthday? And, um, So that was really traumatic, and imagining my mom, like, suffering in jail, like, I couldn't bear the thought of it, and it was really difficult, but genuinely, God really stepped in in that moment, because she wouldn't have lasted through the week if she wasn't arrested, because she had made cuts on her wrists, and she was serious about her intent, and so jail was the safest place that she could have been, and I just praise the Lord for that, because it was the worst outcome that could have come out of that court date, but it was God's plan, and he's protecting her and protecting our family. And then on Thursday night, Allie and I, my bestest friend in the whole entire world, one of God's greatest blessings that he's ever given me, we were coming to the prayer night, and I got a call from my grandmother saying that one of my mom's friends in California had paid her bail. And this was just a major shock for our family because... I'm the only one here that could be here for my mom, and I wasn't able to get any information from the jail of what was going on or if she was on suicide watch, but if she was released, we were convinced that she was going to end her life because that's what she had said. And so we got to the parking lot, and I was just bawling my eyes out, and Allie said, well, what should we do? And I said, the only thing that we can do is pray. 
And so we came in here, and Ali and I, we just got on our knees right over there, just bawling and, you know, worshiping the Lord and praying for protection for my mom. And then I found Susie, and I just had to tell her what was going on. And she brought me into her prayer circle, and um, I was in there with Rob and Susie and Kelly and Tim, and I was I couldn't control my shaking. I was so scared because I could bear the thought of anything happening to my mom. And Pastor Rob prayed that prayer over me, and I just couldn't believe, like, the absolute calmness and just, like, security and safety that God gave me. And then... Right after the prayer circle ended, I got on the phone with the police officer and I said, you need to give my mom a psychiatric evaluation. Like, I don't know what's going to happen when she gets out. And then um, she ended up calling me to go pick her up. And it was a really traumatic night, but I ended up convincing her to go to rehab. And um, for my mom, she cannot acknowledge that she has a problem. And we've been going through this for years and years and years. I found out recently that the day that my mom brought me home from the hospital, she was getting drunk already. And so it's just been a really hard thing for our family. And so God just worked such an absolute miracle. The only way that I could describe what he did this week was a miracle. Every single outcome that I prayed for went the absolute opposite and worse that it could have done, but it worked till God's greater good. And so I'm going to go pick her up and take her to my sister's birthday party. And then tomorrow I'm taking her in to get a psychological evaluation and she's agreed to go to inpatient care. So this is just such an absolute miracle God sent for our family, and I'm so thankful for the community here because, and I'm so thankful for God's timeline that it happened during prayer and fasting week because if I wasn't here in this parking lot, I don't know what I would be feeling, but God just, like Rob prayed over me, covered me in a blanket of security, and so I have absolute trust in the Lord, and I know that he has my family in this, so thank you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Let's let's pray for Ellie. Would you just put out your hands for Ellie, just like you're laying hands on her, and, and we're going to pray for her mom, Anne-Marie, and Lord, we just thank you so much for Ellie, and Lord, we just love the way that you met her, and we just pray this, this rock of ages underneath her feet will now be the rock of ages the rest of her life, stabilizing her and giving her peace, and what a marvelous uh, testimony, Lord. We just applaud you. And for Anne-Marie, we just, just say her name on your lips. Just, just ask for Anne-Marie. Just for Anne-Marie, would you just turn her, turn her heart to you, Lord. Even use Ellie and Ellie's faith, but turn the situation, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We're going to have the worship team. Thanks for sharing. Thanks for being vulnerable, Ellie. I didn't think, Ellie didn't think she was going to make it today. Uh, will the worship team come up? Ron and Donna Molin come up, and just as um, as we're finishing, uh, Donna had a word on um, on her heart that was so powerful, and something about the way when Donna shares it, uh, it's I could tell you what she said, but when it comes out of her soul, it just um, seems to have a greater impact. So this, this will be the last uh, part of the morning, and Donna will share it, and then it's going to lead into the way that we're going to pray at the end. The, the other morning, I don't know if I was reading the Word or in prayer, but I was picturing myself standing before the throne of God, and I heard him say my name, 
in such an intimate, personal, loving way. I, I've, never, I've never heard my name spoken like that before. And he just said, Donna, what does your heart desire? And I had to think about that. I, there's a lot of things my heart desires. But then one became really, really clear. And I want to tell you, I have confidence that that prayer is going to be answered. Thank you, Donna. Why don't we just bow our heads? I'll let you guys get back to your seat. And let's just bow our heads. And just in your own heart of hearts, why don't you just bow before the Lord? And I want, him to, I want you to hear him say your name. And he's asking you, what do you desire? What is it you desire me to do? What's your heart's desire? And why don't you just answer that for the next minute? In your heart, you bow down and just let the Lord call your name. What is it you desire? We'll, we'll finish here. I just have a, um, a question to ask you as we're at the end of the service. Is it possible that you've wandered away from the Lord? There's a, one of the great hymns says, my heart is prone to wander. Lord, I feel it. And maybe as we're closing the service, you realize that you have wandered away or maybe you've drifted be something to consider. We're going to take communion. Have I drifted? Is this a morning for the Lord in prayer to draw me back to him? Am I in error? Is there error in my life? I'm going the wrong way and God's pursuing you. That's how I want to end. Is, is it possible that you're here this morning and God is pursuing you? This powerful chapter on prayer and the heartfelt prayer of a righteous man that makes tremendous power available. But then a verse later it says, in that same context, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone turns him back, let him know that he who turns a sinner from the error of his way will save a soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. Is it possible the Lord is pursuing you? He's the pursuer, and you're in error, and we've been praying, and the prayers are working, and, and this is a morning for you to, to turn from the error of your way. God, God's spirit is moving. We've been praying, and you're able to recognize, I, I'm actually in error. The things I've been doing, the life I've been living... It might be for someone else that um, God is pursuing you for salvation. And, and Mark 1.15 says, Jesus preached and he said, the time is fulfilled 
The kingdom of God is right there before you. It's, it's at hand. That means you can reach out and take it. How do you reach out and take it? You've got to repent of your sins, and you've got to believe in the gospel. The good news is what gospel means of Jesus dying on the cross for you. You can't be saved if you won't turn from your sins and believe that Jesus did that for you. Is it possible God's pursuing you? He's the pursuer. Your whole life he's been trying to show you his face. His whole life he's been wanting you to talk back to him. And that this morning is the morning that by faith you could reach out and come into the kingdom and be forgiven of your sin. Why don't we bow our heads and, and we'll just stop here this morning. We're going to take communion. The band's going to lead us in a, in a last song. But as they do, if, maybe if you're that person that, that you've drifted, you could just, just acknowledge to the Lord, Lord, I've drifted so far away. Or maybe you've, you relate to the word wander. You've, you, your heart is prone to wander and leave the God you love. Maybe the word error is something that we, we, the Holy Spirit would connect to your life, the things you're doing, you're in error, your lifestyle is in error, and you're not right with God, and you're, there's a work of the Holy Spirit that you're willing to say, Lord, I want to I turn away from that, and I want to turn to you in prayer this morning. I want to come back to you. Or maybe it really does come down to that truth. Maybe that you're, you, it's a morning of salvation, that you haven't yet believed in Jesus in such a way that the gavel has been slammed down in heaven and your sin has been taken out of your account and Christ's perfect righteousness. He, for 33 years, he kept God's law perfectly and that perfect righteousness has not yet been put in your account And you could, right where you sit right now, you could repent of your sin. You could say, Lord, I'm willing. I, I want to turn away from my sin. I want to turn to you. And I pray, Lord, you'd forgive me. You could, right where you sit, you could ask for that. And it would be a, a saving prayer for you to say, Jesus, I believe in you and I need your forgiveness. And I want to know that your righteousness is in my account, that I'm saved, that I'm justified. And just pray, if that's you, it's a miracle. Salvation's a miracle that happens in one split second that you will, one, one moment that you come to your senses and turn to God in repentance. If that's you, just pray that. Just say, Lord, I repent. Jesus, I believe. Pray that. Lord, I repent. Jesus, I believe in you. Has it, I, haven't, I don't think I've been saved yet. I believe in you. And tell him, I receive. If you don't know that that righteousness is in your account, tell him that. I receive your righteousness. And just thank him. Thank you for taking my sin to the cross. That's you. Just thank him. You, you just say, Lord, thank you. I am believing you did that for me. I repent. I believe in you. I receive your righteousness. 
we're gonna we're gonna take communion. But before I invite you up, could you just we'll just stay just in that posture of prayer just for a, just a, just a few seconds longer. But could I ask that if you're someone that this was a morning that you were praying to repent and to believe in Jesus and receive his righteousness, would you lift your hand up just right where you sit? I, I want to know who you are and I want to pray blessing over you that that happened in your heart this morning. If you prayed that, would you just lift your hand right, right where you sit so I could just pray over you? Yep, beautiful. Just huge stretch to the sky last row in the back just hand up anyone else i, I just want to know it, it, and, and would you just be vulnerable if you prayed that would you be honest if you were praying that like lord i'm repenting i'm believing i receive your righteousness yeah three four of you five of you six of you yeah just raise your hand up high like i'm not going to shrink back now i was just thanking him for forgiving me seven of you Anyone else? Yeah, eight of you. Hold it up high. Nine, ten of you, eleven. Just hold it up. And just as you're holding, keep your hand up if you raise your hand. And just thank the Lord. Just go, Lord, I'm not shrinking back. I'm acknowledging. That's, that's me. I'm the one that was crying out for you to rescue me. And, I just, and then just thank him in your heart. Thank him. Just thank him. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for your righteousness. I receive it. And you raised your hand. Just, just pray right now. Say, Holy Spirit, fill me and change me. And just tell the Lord, Lord, I'm not going to be able to do it. I need you to change me. And just the last thing I want you to pray, you raise your hand. Just pray that prayer. Say, Lord, today is a day I surrender the reins of my life to you. Pray that. I surrender the reins of my life to you. Amen. Let's, let's give applause for those that gave their lives to Jesus this morning. Beautiful. Beautiful.